From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Always great to have you with us. Well, nearly two dozen members of Congress are seeking answers from the Department of Justice about last Friday's raid of the home of a pro-life activist who lives in rural Pennsylvania. Now, conservative news outlets have reported that an estimated two dozen FBI agents descended upon the home of Mark Houck and his family early Friday morning to arrest him for an alleged violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which occurred nearly a year ago. Now, this federal action has taken place after the case against Houck made its way through the state court system and was actually thrown out. Now, Houck was in court yesterday, and he pled innocent. We'll talk with one of those members of Congress who is demanding answers. Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller joins us in just a moment. I tell you, it's not hard to see that a double standard of justice is emerging under the Biden administration. You know, despite nearly 100 attacks on care pregnancy centers and other pro-life organizations since the Dobbs decision was first leaked on May the 2nd, To our knowledge, and we've asked the FBI about this as late as yesterday, there have been no federal arrest. Why? It does raise the question, is there a double standard or a two-track system of justice emerging in our country, one for conservatives and one for those on the left? We're going to talk about this with John Daukus, former U.S. Department of Justice Acting Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights. John joins us later. And unless you're Rip Van Winkle and you've missed the last two years, you've probably heard the term Christian nationalism being hurled at conservatives. When we look at it, Christian nationalism, and, and Anthea brought this up earlier, is, is about power. And when we think of that in terms of a democracy and a functioning democracy, um, it's about sharing power and playing by the same rules. And so with Christian nationalism, we find over and over that if it comes down to democracy or power, they're going to choose power every time. That was Andrew Whitehead, who is a professor at Indiana University, who was on Meet the Press's Press's special Monday edition. Now, this would be laughable because it's the left that wants power and wants to destroy democracy. But there's some alarming trends emerging here. Now, Whitehead published a piece this week in Time magazine entitled Three Threats Christian Nationalism Poses to the United States. Now, some are saying, you know, what's this all about? Well, we're going to talk about it with Dr. Mark David Hall. He's the Herbert Hoover Distinguished Professor of Politics at George Fox University. He joins us later here on Washington Watch. And it's sick. It's I mean, I'm a parent man. I mean, how how do I explain that to my forget being Democrat, Republican, us versus it's like what someone did that they would do that to kids other people's kids, to human beings, what kind of person does that? Uh, Guess who that was? All right, that was California Governor Gavin Newsom talking to MSNBC about, no, not abortion, not about transgender surgeries on minors. He was actually talking about the busing of illegal immigrants who have come across the U.S. southern border. Now, let me tell you what is sick. I'm a parent. How do you explain, how do I explain to my kids that you have a governor that wants to entice minors and others to come to his state to abort their babies? And 
he's even now considering a measure that would entice children from other states to come to California for transgender procedures without their parents' consent and knowledge. That's what I call sick. Well, voters in California will have some say in the state's abortion policy this fall in November when it's on the ballot. Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, joins me a little bit later for that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. As you can tell, today's going to be a lively program. Some of this stuff, you know, we need to be upset about some of it. We need some righteous indignation against some of these leaders who are leading this country down the wrong path. All right, before I get too far down the road, let me give you the word for today. It comes from Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 22, and it reads as follows. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now, although biblical literacy is declining in our nation, the phrase, the wisdom of Solomon, is almost universally known. It expresses profound insight or wisdom in individual or the need for wisdom in a particular situation. So where did this wisdom that Solomon had come from? Well, we look over to Second Chronicles chapter 1, and it tells us, it says, God appeared to Solomon and said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon replied, Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Notice that Solomon's request was not for himself, but for the work he had been called to. So you and I are also invited to ask the Lord for wisdom over in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, and it comes with a promise that God gives to all who ask in faith. You know, we live in a time when we need the wisdom of God. So let's ask for it. By the way, speaking of prayer, as the nation watches Florida being hammered by this latest hurricane, Ian, let's pray for them. And tomorrow we'll get an update from our friends at Samaritan's Purse on how you can help out the folks of Florida. And speaking of prayer, as we approach this all-important November election, will you take the pledge, the pledge to pray, to vote, and to stand? All right, if you'll do that, if you'll stand with me, just text the word pledge to 67742. That's 67742, the word pledge, and you'll get a link, and you can take the pledge to pray, to vote, and to stand. Again, That uh, is pledged to 67742. As I mentioned, 20 members of Congress sent a letter to the Attorney General, Mary Garland, yesterday. They're demanding the Department of Justice answer for the FBI's raid of a pro-life leader in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, Mark Houck is a pro-life father of seven. He was charged with an assault for an altercation outside an abortion clinic in Pennsylvania with an escort. This occurred over a year ago. Uh, The cases in the state court were thrown out. Yesterday in federal court, he pleaded not guilty. While we don't have all the details in the case, the letter notes that it appears at the state level assault charges against Houck were dismissed. And then this extreme show of force, nearly two dozen agents showing up at his house, was politically motivated. Joining me now to discuss this is Congresswoman Mary Miller. She's a member of the House Education and Labor Committee. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois, and she was one of the members that signed this letter to the Attorney General. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. So what? tell us what this case is about. Give us the facts that I may have missed in this case. 
Well, we don't know all the facts, but it was a chilling show of power by the Department of Justice and the FBI. Um, first of all, you have to wonder how they have the time and resources to do this when fentanyl and uh, human traffickers are flooding over our border. Why are they not targeting, you know, that problem there? We're under a terrorist chemical attack, basically from China. They're going after American citizens. This is blatantly unconstitutional, and it's, uh, you know, using the Department of Justice to go after Americans, and they want this to have a chilling effect on people. Now, apparently, based on statements of Mr. Houck's attorneys, they had been in conversations with federal authorities and had said that, hey, if, you, if you're going to arrest him, just let us know, even though the state charges have been thrown out, and my, my client will willingly surrender if you're going to do that. But instead of, you know, doing something like that, I mean, they, they have what has been described as, uh, now some press outlets have described it as a SWAT team, Mm -hmm. that descended upon the House. I mean, I do think it's an excessive show of force. And as you said, it's designed to intimidate and chill uh, the involvement of conservatives in our country. Absolutely. And that's why the letter was sent. I want to thank um, Chip Roy, uh, Representative Chip Roy, for leading on the letter and for other members for signing on. Um, I, <laughs> I have called out the left, the Democrats, as being liars. I think we need investigations and to get to the bottom of this, um, you know, this has been happening regularly around the country. And actually, for the first time in history, we have two systems of justice. I mean, we have a crime problem in our country and they're going after people that do not have violent histories. Um, this gentleman has you know, he was not a threat to them, and it was definitely an overreach and excessive sh uh, show of force. Well, you, you talk about this two system of uh, two tracks of justice, mm -hmm. and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in my next segment. But you've spoken out about this where you have many of these care pregnancy centers and other pro-life organizations, nearly 100 now, yeah. that have been attacked. Some of them have been firebombed. Uh, they have uh, been vandalized. But as of yesterday, when we inquired with the FBI, there are no known arrests at the federal level based upon uh, the information that's out there. Not only that, but the media is not covering this. And they have made a mockery out of themselves. People are turning the television off, putting their newspapers down because they know they aren't getting the information they need. And that's why your program and the work you're doing is so important. Do you expect to hear from the attorney general, or will he be just, again, dismissive of this inquiry from Congress? I do not expect to hear from him, but we're going to take back the House and we are going to have inquiries. Um, I want people to take hope that we are going to fight back after the November election. Uh, explain a little bit what that looks like. I know in the commitment to America that was rolled out last Friday, some of this is highlighted, but explain kind of the role that a Republican-led Congress could take in terms of holding the Biden administration accountable. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to have hearings, and I think um, we've got Representative Comer from Kentucky and Representative Jordan from Ohio. They're going to be in 
<clears throat> roles leading investigations, and we have several priorities, you know, we've got to get to the bottom of. Um, obviously, the overreach of the Department of Justice going after regular Americans, two systems of justice, what went on at the CDC, um, Hunter Biden, there's just so many things. Elections have consequences. I can't stress enough, get out to the polls and vote. Uh, I do think Congress is more conservative than it's been. And I'm personally a conservative. I belong to the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, we hold to you know, the Constitution. And uh, I think that the whole Congress is going to be more conservative. And hopefully, um, we're going to elect fighters. We need fighters, yeah. like President Trump was. And we also know that Congress controls the purse string, so that'll have an impact Absolutely. upon the administration as well. Congresswoman Mary Miller, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time uh, to join us today. My pleasure. All right, that was Congresswoman Mary Miller of uh, Illinois. And, and let me again remind you of the pledge to pray, vote, and stand. It's extremely, extremely important. Every election is important. And in fact, I think with each successive election, they become more important because our nation is divided. And we need men and women that honor the Constitution and, as Mary said, are willing to fight for what we know to be right and to be true. And we've got, we've got to support those candidates, we need to pray for those candidates, we need to vote for those candidates. And at the end of the day, we all have to stand for truth. So if you'll take the pledge to pray, vote, and stand, just text the word pledge to 67742. That's 67742, the word pledge. All right, coming up, are there two standards of justice in this country? We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. So don't go away. Facts, figures, next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned with our previous guests, we're still waiting for all the facts in this case of the FBI raid on Mark Houck's home. But there is a growing sentiment that there is a two-system track of justice under the Biden administration. You know, one for conservatives and one for those on the left. Now, we see this not just from the recent FBI arrest, but also from the lack of arrest made in the almost 100 attacks on churches and pregnancy resource centers since May the 2nd. Now, we've, there may have been some state charges. We've been looking as to whether or not there has been state action. I think there has been. But as of yesterday, when we inquired with the FBI, the Washington Stand did, um, no acknowledgement that there have been any arrests. And then you look back at the summer of 2020, there was a lot of indictments at the end of that uh, period of rampage. But under the Biden Department of Justice, we've seen nothing about actually the prosecution of those indictments. Joining me now to discuss this is John Dawkins. He is the former acting assistant attorney general for the Civil Rights Department at the U.S. Department of Justice. John, welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to be with you. So are are, are Americans right to be concerned, thinking that their system of justice in this country has been politicized and there's a a two-track system of justice? Uh, Yes, they are, I'm afraid. Uh, One of the things uh, that was most important about the Sessions and uh, Barr tenures in the Department of Justice is that it depoliticized the uh, Justice Department from what had happened during the Obama years— And we've seen a reversal of that now with the Biden administration. Uh, The Justice Department is supposed to be above politics, uh, and that's not what we're seeing here, Tony. I mean, you have this case like this arrest in Pennsylvania where you have this pro-life activist. The state charges were dropped. They were thrown out. And a year, almost a year later, you've got the FBI converging on his home, nearly two dozen, according to reports. You've got the FBI raid of the former president's residence. Those receive a lot of attention. But what about choosing not to focus on the lawlessness from the left? I mean, that's a greater concern for me is that you see this lawlessness and and we see record high levels of homicides. I think it goes back to uh, to the summer of 2020 when you had, in fact, law enforcement agencies have uh, one of the major law enforcement agencies for uh, city police officers, chiefs of police, said over 2,000 officers were uh, injured during that summer of 2020. 
And many local prosecutors, even though there were like 16,000 arrests, many of them refused to prosecute. Yes, it's really a terrible situation and terrible for law enforcement. Um, there have been very few prosecutions of uh, people who acted um, criminally in connection with the Black Lives Matter uh, riots that occurred. There certainly were uh, appropriate demonstrations and exercises of the First Amendment, but there were also riots. There was arson. There was looting. Uh, I saw that myself when I was living in D.C. and working with the Department of Justice. There were uh, violent attacks on uh, law enforcement and other people. Uh, and I believe there were over 50 uh, homicides in connection with these riots. Um, and we're seeing very, very little in the way of prosecution. Compare that to what we've seen um, with respect to the January 6th uh, right. people who were criminally convicted, some of whom are facing very stiff, uh, have been sentenced to very uh, stiff sentences uh, for largely nonviolent or at least uh, acts that didn't cause injury to others. Yeah, and and that's my perception, John. But I'm trying to be very careful because I don't want to fan the flames of lawlessness. And I and I think we've got to be very careful. You know, just because the left gets away with this lawlessness, we cannot embrace that idea because our republic stands upon the idea that we are governed by the rule of law. But when you lose faith in the agencies that are tasked with enforcing the law, it becomes very difficult. So how can the Department of Justice and the FBI regain the faith and confidence of the public? Well, what they need to do is what, what happened under uh, Jeff Sessions and under Bill Barr, which is to, to as the uh, Chief Justice said, call balls and strikes. You just uh, do your job and follow the law where it leads you without thinking about the politics of it. T Tony, if I could give you another uh, example, which is um, uh, I was personally involved in while at the Justice Department. Uh, there was a situation at the University of Vermont Medical Center, a hospital in Vermont, where the hospital forced nurses to perform abortions against their religious uh, beliefs. Uh, there's clear federal law that protects health care providers from being forced to perform abortions. Uh, when I was at the Department of Justice, I was personally involved in bringing uh, legal action against the Vermont Medical Center uh, to stop them from doing that. Um, when we left office, when the Biden administration came in, one of the first things they did was dismiss that lawsuit. And there's really no justification whatsoever for having done that. People may have different views on uh, whether abortion should be restricted and to what extent it should be restricted, but I, it's very hard for anyone to justify forcing uh, someone who believes uh, that abortion is wrong to, to participate in abortion. So that's, a, I think, a good example of, right. of what we're getting out of the Biden Justice Department. It's a great example from the standpoint of the law is the law. The law is passed by Congress, the elected representatives of the people. And for the Department of Justice refusing to enforce that law, that that's my point. It is fueling lawlessness. And that once people lose confidence that there is a system of justice, the lady justice is actually blind, folded, and she doesn't see, and she dispenses justice equally. When that, when that concept is lost, our republic is in trouble. That's absolutely right. Now, on, on, the, on the hopeful side of things, we do have... Uh, state attorneys generals in a number of states who are continuing to apply the law fairly and um, to uh, uh, not act politically. We also have right. the ability 
bring civil suits. Um, and there are several, they're not that many, but there are several groups out there, um, uh, public interest groups that are trying to protect uh, religious freedom, the, the Beckett uh, Foundation, for example, and, and others, um, which, which are there to try to help folks. And, and uh, Mr. Halk, I believe, is being represented by uh, the, uh, the Thomas More uh, Society. Yes helping him out as well. Those those groups are more important now than ever. John, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate your insights and uh, I think a very constructive conversation. Thanks so much. Great being with you again. Thank you. Uh, folks, again, another reason to pray. Elections have consequences, but we must never give in to this spirit of lawlessness. In fact, we read about that. In the New Testament, we're a part of the church and we're supposed to restrain that spirit of lawlessness. All right, coming up, the left has new scare tactics. We're going to talk about it next on Washington Watch. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Again, if you want to take the pledge to pray, vote, and stand, text the word, excuse me, take the word pledge to 67742. uh, You'll get a link and you can take the pledge to pray, vote, and stand as we move into this fall's election. All right. Speaking of elections, if you're paying attention to the political messaging, you're increasingly hearing rhetoric from the left designed, I think, to stoke fear about what they call Christian nationalism. Now, just this week, Time magazine published an article with the headline, Three Threats Christian Nationalism Poses to the United States. Now, the intent of this messaging is is clear, I think. It's to marginalize 
for the purpose of discouraging Christian voters from aligning their values with Scripture in boldly standing for truth. Join me now to discuss this is Dr. Mark David Hall. He's the Herbert Hoover Distinguished Professor of Politics at George Fox University. Professor, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me, Tony. So tell us the origins of this term Christian nationalism. Where did it come from? And why all of a sudden is it just a part of the media's narrative when they talk about Christians that are engaged in the political process? You know, literally no one was using Christian nationalism as it's used today until about 2006. Beginning in 2006, there was a steady stream of books and articles um, crying out uh, about the fear of Christian nationalism. This is a horrible, toxic mix of racism, sexism, homophobism, militarism. It's a bunch of Christians who want to bring about a theocracy in America. This tiny stream became a flood, an absolute flood on January 6, 2021, where the New York Times proclaimed Christian nationalists have attacked the U.S. Capitol building. And book after book has come out since then. Almost every one of these books is highly critical of Christian nationalism, and they all make it crystal clear that these are conservative Christians bringing their faith into the public square, and that's illegitimate. They actually go out of their way to praise the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's fine to bring your faith into the public square to advocate for civil rights, but not to advocate for the protection of unborn life or religious liberty or that sort of thing. Yeah, when I, I when I hear them using this term Christian nationalism, just as you said, bringing their faith into the public square, to me that sounds like American history, uh, because faith played a very key role in the shaping of this country. You know, that's absolutely right. From the um, Pilgrim settlements and the, all the colonial settlements, really, to our founding era, America's founders were profoundly influenced by Christian ideas through the abolitionist movement, through the civil rights movement, the Quakers and penal reform, opposition to Native American removal. Christians have been on, at the forefront of fighting for liberty and equality for all Americans. And it's just a, um, I think you're exactly right, it's a scare tactic to try to make it seem illegitimate for Christians to bring their faith into the public square. You know, I, I haven't read it, but I'm told, I've been told by several people that I've, I've made a number of these books as being a Christian nationalist. And, and so I was reading today this article that was in the, the, uh, the Time magazine, and these three threats, these ooh, scary things that the uh, Christian nationalists are doing. One, Christian nationalism is anti-democratic. Second, is, uh, it is Christian nationalism perpetuates racism. And then third, Christian nationalism approves of political violence. I mean, this sounds more like gaslighting from the left. This is what they're doing. They're the ones that are against the democratic process. They're the ones that are perpetuating racism in our country. They're the ones that gave way to political violence all through the summer of 2020, costing $2 billion worth of damage in our country. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. There, there's a great deal of truth in that. One of the ironic things, so most of the literature on Christian nationalism is openly polemical. It's written by people who work for organizations like the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Some of the better academic literature, though, you know, they run into a problem. Authors like Samuel Perry and Andrew Whitehead, they attempt to measure Christian nationalism. They argue that 52% of Americans are full or partial supporters of Christian nationalism, but then they have to deal with the awkward fact that 65% of 
African Americans are Christian nationalists as they measure the phenomenon, and right. they get a pass. White Christian nationalism is, a, is an evil, horrible thing, but it's perfectly fine if you're African American to be a Christian nationalist. I mean, it, it's just an entirely loaded study, and I, I think we do well to um, be very careful of, the, of these works on Christian nationalism, and we should be critical of them. Well, let me just say this. Um, when they talk about racism, our churches have a lot more diversity than their country clubs. And uh, I, I think when you look at the, what, how faith in Jesus Christ brings a nation to go, together and a people together, I actually think that is what they're afraid of. And that is why they're using this as a, as a club to beat Christians who are engaged in the process back away from the voting booth. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's absolutely right. Well, you're going to be joining us at a special event that we're going to do on this. We're going to take this thing head on. We're doing a Pray, Vote, Stand Town Hall meeting at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, on this topic of Christian nationalism. And uh, I, I, want to, I want to think you're going to be there, and I, and I appreciate it, Dr. Hall. Give us a very quickly why Christians need to be engaged. Well, I think we have an absolute duty to be engaged, right? We're told to pursue justice in the city. We have to be out there fighting for liberty and equality for all people, for justice for all. Um, Christians have the best reasons for being concerned about right. everyone in society, from the poor, the weak, the dispossessed, to the to the most well-off among them. So, yeah, we have to be involved in politics, and we should do so in a thoughtful, Christ-like manner. It will look nothing like the attack on the U.S. Capitol building, and I think precious few of those people were motivated by anything like Christian nationalism. Absolutely. Dr. Hall, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to seeing you on October the 12th. That'll be great. Thank you. Stick around, folks. We're coming back. Jack Hibbs joins me next here on Washington Watch. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back. Tony Perkins, your host. This is Washington Watch, the website TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, town hall meeting, Christian nationalism. It's coming up, a pray vote stand town hall meeting, October the 12th at Cornerstone Church in Leesburg, Virginia, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, October the 12th, 7 p.m. You can be a part of that. Even if you can't be there, you can join us. We'll have more information coming how you and even your church can be a part of this special town hall meeting and ask questions of our speakers. All right, a, uh, an amendment is going to be on the ballot in California. In fact, five states are going to be dealing with the issue of the sanctity of human life in one way or another on the ballot in November. Now, two of the states are advancing pro-life measures. Uh, Three of the states are advancing uh, abortion protections, as they say, um, in the the wake of the Dobbs decision, which says that this is an issue for elected representatives, not the courts, to decide. Well, California is one of those five states where uh, they have Proposition 1. It would amend the state's constitution— and actually place abortion on demand up until birth in the state's constitution. Think about that. In the state's constitution, a constitutional right to abortion on demand up until birth. Now, this is another reminder of why we need to pray, we need to vote, and we need to stand. Because this kind of stuff, if the church were more fully engaged, it wouldn't be happening. And I know this is what we're just talking about, this Christian nationalism is designed to intimidate us. Look, I don't call me what you want. I don't care. I'm still going to stand for truth. You can call me a Christian nationalist. You can call me whatever you want. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring my values to the debate just like anybody else in this country has the right to do. Well, joining me now to discuss this is a pastor who is leading his church to stand up for that truth in California and is pushing back against Governor Newsom and his push to make California an abortion destination. Pastor Jack Hibbs, senior pastor and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, 
in California. Pastor Jack, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always good to see you. Hey, hey Tony, thank you much. Okay. Ballot propositions are often couched in misleading language meant to confuse. And, uh, you know, California has some crafty politicians. In plain language, what does a yes or a no vote mean for Proposition 1? Simply this, Tony, we want a no vote because this would enshrine not only abortion, of course, but you, you actually gently put it when you said up till birth, This is a proposition that will amend the state constitution that actually, Tony, is that the devil is not in the details in this case. The details have been left out, meaning we are being told here by attorneys in our state, we understand that it's actually a birthday abortion change to our state constitution. Gavin Newsom is literally on steroids when it comes to... uh, either signing executive orders or getting his uh, supermajority Democrat-controlled legislature here in Sacramento to craft these types of bills and to attempt these types of constitutional amendments. And if anyone is doubting the, the danger of it all, just try posting, for example, stopprop1.com. That's our domain. That is us. Uh, We are campaigning with that. Every time we post something, Tony, we get stopped. Why? Because in a recent poll that we conducted with Rasmussen, 79% of voters in California, that's a whole lot of Democrats, said that when they had Prop 1 explained to them, Tony, they said, that's too extreme. This is murder. So there's enough Democrats who hear about it who say, that's murder. What we need to do is get the word out, and I'm telling you, we're fighting big tech now. We are trying; they're trying to do everything they can to silence us, Tony. But a no vote is what we must have. California voters must register to vote. They must vote no on Proposition One to stop the bloodlust of this governor, Governor Newsom. It's it's hard to believe, and I'm I'm embarrassed. The most beautiful state in this nation is crafting the most demonic legislation that this country has ever seen regarding the unborn child. How are the churches responding to this? Well, the churches that have heard about it are responding like you well know in this state, one of two ways. Number one, they're getting on board. Number two, quote, We don't get involved in politics. Now, Tony, you and I have been hearing that for as long as you and I have been friends. And I'm just going to say this, and I'm I'm afraid that I might be right about this. When COVID came through, Tony, it separated many of the churches, and it, 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 it emboldened pulpits, and it took pulpits down. This next thing, this Prop 1, is going to be the second wave of testing the pulpits and the Christians resolve in California. Will the pulpit, the pastor, and the Christians say no to murder, or are they just going to say, we don't get involved in politics? And by doing that, I think it could be the death nail for the church in California if it doesn't stand on this one. God's given us one more chance to to be biblical and to stand and to stop letting elected officials 
robbed from the church and from our scriptures. We've got to act by voting. We've got to speak up. This is the hour of the church in California. If we don't do it, Tony, I think it's I think it's the closing moments for the church in California if we don't do the right thing. Now, you wrote an article on this proposition for Newsmax, and I have a link to it uh, on my website, TonyPerkins.com. And you, you talk about this being a birthday abortion uh, amendment, that this is extreme. Let me ask you this, Jack. I mean, California, it's, they're out there on so many things, um, politically, culturally. And we see constantly these fires. We see all this. Of course, you, you never, you're not supposed to connect the two. But I, I, I just think that it may be a line too far if the state of California enshrines into its constitution this birthday abortion measure. I mean, I, I think, you know, at some point God says, you know what, this, you, you, you just, you're getting, you're, all right, you want the spirit of murder? You have yeah. it. Yeah, Tony, I'm glad you said that because uh, I believe that. I'm praying accordingly. And I, I'm not the only one where uh, it's the tipping point. Uh, I think God is saying, one last chance, Californians. Do you want me in your life or not? Do you want me in your state or not? If you want to throw me out, uh, it's connected to the children. If you're going to kill children, I'm going to take it personal. And uh, that means you don't want me around either. And if you think California has got its problems now, I think the hand of God will be lifted from this state. And we will see things untold before and unseen before, because if we really believe in our Bibles, Tony, the God, Abraham said, shall not the Lord of all the earth do right? Well, the answer is, of right. course, he will. And he's going to do right. He will not be mocked. And right now in Sacramento, Newsom is mocking God. Yesterday, Tony, I can't even tell you a dozen. He passed a dozen. Uh, legislative strokes of his pen or executive orders to to uh, all of them related to abortion. Twelve of them yesterday. He set a record for evil in our state yesterday. Either I'm praying God shows up with a hand of judgments to awaken this nation, um, or I don't know that, but please, that pastors might wake up and join our yeah. fight. But this is the hill to die on, Tony. There's nothing after this. I, I want to switch gears just a little bit, still within the same realm of discussion, but Senate Bill 107, which is one of, is a bill that's on the governor's desk, that uh, this bill would give the state control over a child from a, I mean, this basically is enticing children from other states who want transgender treatment to come into the state of California, California would then take jurisdiction over them despite what the parents would want and aid them in these procedures. I, I want to play a clip from our Prevote Stand Summit a couple of weeks ago. This is uh, Governor Kevin Stitt of uh, Oklahoma actually speaking about what's happening in your state of California. Play clip number seven. This would allow for young children with gender dysphoria in other states to come to California to undergo life-changing procedures without their parents' consent. Think about that. This is simply wrong. We know it inherently. Americans agree with that. Parents should be char in charge of their children, not politicians in California or Washington, D.C. I mean, Jack, what a contrast. 
between you have governors like that in Oklahoma and governors even in Virginia who are standing up for parental rights. And I go back to your premise a few moments ago. I I think God, and and I know this is going to be controversial to the ears of some, but it's Mm -hmm. historically accurate, certainly biblically accurate. I believe God is going to bless those states who align themselves with his truth. And we're going to see we're going to see more problems uh, in those states that not only reject truth, but intentionally go the other direction. Tony, SB 107, if people can even handle this, they're not going to believe what we tell them right now about it. It actually circumnavigates or attempts to circumnavigate this 49 other states, their jurisdiction, parental rights to have a child basically think about it, basically sneak out of their home, slip away, run away, catch a bus, catch a plane, whatever. Don't worry about it. California, my tax dollars will pay for that. The parents are going to wake up to find out that their kid has gone to California to have a sex change or some other type of hormonal replacement therapy. And the parents, California, would declare that this kid from Louisiana has got the right to not let their parents know, leave home and have this done in California while here we pay for it, and it completely undermines the jurisdiction and authority of the parent. This sounds too fantastic. People are probably thinking, Jack, come on, that is not it. My friends, read the bill. Tony's right. That's exactly what it's about. I can't imagine with that knowledge and understanding that Bible preaching churches in California and Bible believing Christians could sit idly by when they will be forced to be participants in this through their tax dollars. Tony, judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord and how the pastors handle this is going to determine, uh, I like to look at it this way, it's going to determine that church's particular witness right? Think about it. Jesus said, I walked through the midst of the lampstands. And we learned from the book of Revelation that those lampstands are the witness of each church. In this next bout of being relevant or not, will the church in California rise up and throw off the burden of fear and self-imposed, uh, you know, likes or, or friends? I don't know what, but to obey God and really tremble at his word. That's what we must do in California. Pastors must tremble at his word or, frankly, go get another job. But we have got to stand. Let let me ask you a question that I think should encourage, the answer should encourage other pastors across the country and and probably scare the left. Uh, But you've I mean, we've known each other for almost 20 years. We're battle buddies. And you preach the Word of God in your church. I mean, just what we're talking about here is what you preach from the the pulpit. Your church is growing so rapidly. You're actually encouraging people to go elsewhere. Back during the pandemic, they were coming to your church. And you would say, hey, when your church opens, go back to your own church. I don't have enough room for you here. So pastors who would preach the Word, there is a hunger for the truth. I think I may have lost. Jack, you still there? Oh, we may have uh, lost him. Let's see if we get Yeah, there he is. Tony. Yeah. Tony, simply this. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. 
So what happened to us is that we not we we never stopped giving people the voice of God, which is the Bible. We do what every church growth organization tells us won't work. If we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, that will never work. And you know what? It not only works, it honors God, and it's the voice of God through the scriptures. And when you give the scripture, God's people will flock to the word. And that's all we need to care about. Pastors, teach the Bible, and the Lord will have his people respond to his word. You don't have to advertise. You don't have to have commercials. Teach the word, and he'll supernaturally draw his flock to your church. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of competition, so they will come to your church. Pastor Jack, great to see you. As always, thank you for standing firm in California and and really across the nation. Thank you, Tony. And if you're in California, Proposition 1, you heard him vote no. And you can find out more about that by going to TonyPerkins.com, and Pastor Jack's piece is there on my website. Also, I would encourage you to take the pledge. Join us in praying as we go into this election, voting, and encouraging others to do the same, and then standing for truth, unashamedly, for the truth of God's Word. Take the pledge. Text the word pledge to 67742. That's 67742, the word pledge. We need as many Christians as possible registered and voting. And don't forget the Pray, Vote, Stand Town Hall meeting coming up October the 12th. More details to come. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.